And it's the Plank Show right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line is always the best way to get in touch with the show. 405-651-3439. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way. You could call us at 405-329-9000. Justin is in from Extra Inning Softball. Bottom of this hour, Justin McLeod will join us put a cap on the softball season. I did see this, which kind of maybe dampened my mood just a bit. It was one of the first texts to the show. David from Norman writes, I hope Patty can come on today. However, I was just driving down Jenkins and saw about 200 girls at Marita Hines for the Patty Gasso softball camp. <laughs> yeah, that would make things a little more challenging. Uh, uh, it's camp week. It's camp week is what it is. It's camp week, week everywhere. I had a, I, we had barrel camp this week, Josh. We have vacation Bible school this week. We have ah, vacation Bible school. We have soccer camp this week. My, my wife is, I don't know, doing something with a cheerleading camp. Not her personally, but like she's helping in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in a lot of trouble right now. What are the ABCs of barrel camp? From my understanding, uh, they stayed up way too late. She didn't put on enough sunblock and rode a horse. Does that sound pretty good? That's my understanding of it, at least. It's all I've been told. I'm not cool dad anymore. I don't get all the information. It's almost like there's one thing and then there's that. that's it. She's getting too old to, to share. She's 13 now. Josh, she's almost too cool for dad. But yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I won't lie. Whenever she said she was going, I kind of laughed at first. I'm like, wait, you're being serious. Because in my mind, I'm like, barrel camp. What are you, I mean, is there some sort of zen to it? Are you going to be right? And I guess there was. So she had a good time. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Have you ever been to a barrel camp? No, I cannot say that I've been to a barrel camp. I've been to vacation uh, Bible school. I'm oh, we well versed have. in that, but. No, not not oh, barrel camp. We all have. We all have. All right. Um, gosh, what I want to get into this hour is not just the excitement that we had over some softball talk, right? We we got Justin McLeod at the bottom of this hour coming up. Not just OU baseball taking on Texas A&M. But we did have an NBA Finals game last night. And I, I do think it was good enough to warrant some conversations. I mean, let's face it, the, the final score might have looked a little bit more I don't know, out of control in this game was midway through the fourth quarter. 94, shot clock off, Kaminga into the front court, and the Warriors are going to win the pivotal game five. And for the first time since March 28th, the Celtics have lost back-to-back games. All right. Um, earlier this morning, right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network, Josh, I was doing a fill-in show with Arnie Spanier. And he made an assumption, a prognostication, a proclamation, if you will, that everyone is on board with the Golden State Warriors, that they have become the favorite. And he had all these little caveats. But he said 80%, 80% of Americans are rooting for Golden State. And that Golden State is 
I guess you not not necessarily America's team, but America's sweethearts in the NBA. Now, I put this to a poll. I worded it incorrectly because if I say Arnie said 80%, then you're not going to get a fair. Everyone's going to vote either against Arnie or against me. But I asked if you're picking a team, because that was the caveat. If you have to pick it, like someone's going to walk in your living room and say, if you don't pick a team right now, it's over. Like that ever could happen. But if you're challenged with picking a team to root for, I don't think it's even – I don't I don't think it's Golden State. Am I crazy? You know, the thing working against Boston is that they're like the Lakers. They've been so successful historically. They would be the slam dunk, no doubt, easy pick right. to see – Tatum and Brown and Smart and all these guys, you know, the two young stars in particular, Tatum and Brown, to see them win a first ring, you're typically always rooting for the franchise that hasn't won before. But, oh, by the way, it's Boston who's right. won a ton in the past. So it's it's tough. I, I don't know. I would say Boston – because, again, it would be those two guys' right. first rings. That would be my first inclination. But because it's the Celtics, I think that works against them a little bit. And the Golden State factor of not winning the last couple of years mm-hmm. and dealing with the injuries that that franchise dealt with and Kevin Durant moves on so it's no longer the unbeatable Warriors. I think there's a little bit of – I think there's a little bit – of a factor for people to want to see that Golden State group get back to the top. So, honestly, it's probably pretty close to even. So, with this poll that I put up, not not to bring a national conversation and go too in the weeds on it, but I put this poll up this morning. If you're picking a team to root for in the NBA Finals, who are you rooting for? 70% so far say Boston. I tell you my funny story from this weekend. My mother-in-law was in town. Maybe she's who got me sick. My mother-in-law was in town. I had the NBA Finals on Friday night. Yeah, this is no lie, Josh. She walks around the corner and is, is shocked. She says, oh. I'm like, what? She says, I didn't know Steph Curry played basketball. <laughs> what? It's like, what, what are you talking about? I mean, literally, it was, it was pure and utter shock. <laughs> what did you think that Steph Curry did? I, I, that's exactly what I said. She goes, yeah, I had no idea that he was a basketball player. I'm like, are you serious did, right now? Did she think he was like an actor or something? No, she thought he was a golfer. Oh. Because she watches that golf show all the time, that stupid butt-butt show that he does. I, I kind of froze for a moment. I was like, and I give you one of my OU tickets to every game. You don't know. Steph Curry is. But seriously, dude, uh, my my point in bringing it up is not to dog on Alice because I love her to death and she's awesome. My point in bringing it up is, is there, I mean, Steph's kind of become a transcendent superstar, though it's, it's wild to find out someone didn't know he played basketball. And I mean, she was, she was legit shocked when she saw him because she walked around the corner. She goes, that's Steph Curry. I'm like, yeah, I was kind of surprised. That's that television host. Right. <laughs> you know? And, like, and what? I, if I remember correctly, I think she even said, what's he doing? <laughs> why, why are they letting him play? But, do I mean, do we have that? I mean, he's kind of a feel-good story, right? I think everyone tries to make it as if people have an issue with him, and I don't really see anyone that has an issue outside of the stinking genius who's mad about his mouthpiece. 
But is there a – I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a transcendent star for everyone that, I guess – well, there might, there is for everyone that, play, that watches the Putt-Putt Golf Show. But I don't know if there truly is that one that's going to help the ratings out or if something's going to pull the NBA out from what's been kind of a – outside of the ESPN, almost like an echo chamber where they're the only ones talking about the NBA right now. Would the NBA Finals this year have been – and I know it's Boston and that's a huge market – and we've talked right here about the number of championships that that franchise has won. And I, Jason Tatum's one of the true budding superstars in the entirety of the game of basketball. And him getting a, a ring would be gigantic in its sure. own right for himself, for Boston, for the future of the NBA. But the fact that he doesn't have one yet maybe works against this NBA Finals. Would it have been bigger for Giannis Antetokounmpo and Milwaukee to be back defending versus Golden State probably, sure. right? Yeah. No, and I know that the right. market, Milwaukee and Boston, you can't compare the two, but we've seen this in other sports. Guess what? Now that Patrick Mahomes has a ring, he draws, right, In even, even from Kansas City. I'm so excited to see if the Celtics have anything left in the tank. They're, they're going to force a game seven. I think you're right. I think you're right. It's been I've had a good time watching this series. I think there's been just enough runs. I'm not. I'm not. I do find myself rooting for Boston every now and then. I'm like, oh come on, let's go. And I don't know if it's listen, dude. I cannot stand Draymond Green. I don't know what's happened here. I used to love the dude. He used to be one of my favorite players. But it's almost as if he is trying to blow games for Golden State. I mean, he's walking into the huddle trying to fight to get a basketball. He's sitting there arguing with a ref after he's fouled out. I mean, these are these are major swing moments in this game. In a game where Steph Curry couldn't hit a three, and you got this dude fooling around. I don't know if it's like this disdain I've developed for Draymond Green or what, but I just, boy, I don't want to see Golden State win. I want to see Boston force a game seven and beat them. That's bad. That's you, unfair of me. You really dislike that podcast, oh, don't you? That stupid podcast. I'll tell you what. Let me, let me, just to be fair, put a wrap on our NBA Finals conversation from last night and quickly steer this back to a little sooner talk. One thing, or at least Baker talk, I should say. One thing, one thing that just, dude, it grinds me so much and it makes me so bleeping angry. And, and I'm not being a smart aleck. I'm not trying to build this up. But the fact that Draymond Green is given a free pass for some of the antics that he pulls. And I don't mean by the, well, it's starting to become by the NBA and by the officials, but by the media. If Baker Mayfield went on a post-game podcast to talk about anything, oh my gosh, Colin Coward would need resuscitation. But because Draymond Green does it on his network, oh, it's okay then. Then Draymond's a good-looking guy, got a good following. People like him. Not the me first, backward hats kind of a guy that obviously you see a problem with and dudes that don't immediately run to the microphone or a camera after the game to tell you how great they were, which is exactly what Draymond did last night. I'm sorry. I, like, you're right. You're right. It, it angers me to no end. And there you go. There's why. I just, the free pass that this dude is consistently given and 
where that where is that line of decision, Josh? When do you decide, hey, this guy, he's okay to do it, but this guy sure as hell isn't. All right, let's pause. Just real quick. Let's say you are a defender of Draymond. It's like, well, he's won rings. Okay. There's the kryptonite. But is he nearly as important to the Golden State Warriors run as the other two dudes? No, he's not. So that's just, I understand. That's going to be the kryptonite to this. And he's earned that. But you usually earn that after your career is over. I love, I love the new media. I love that I can, that this show, if you miss it today, if, if you are sitting in your car like, I got to go to this meeting. I, I know that I got you on a podcast that will be uploaded as soon as our show is over. That's the new media. The new media isn't a player magically doing a I mean, the new media is that I can sit here and listen to it whenever I want. So that angers me too. But I'm just, I'm so fed up with that line where a guy that you know is a good dude gets criticized and destroyed by the media, and then someone else who appears to be a good move but is doing much more jerkish antics than anything another guy might have done, and they get the free pass. I need to understand that line, Josh, because it's very confusing to me. And in case you can't tell, it triggers me very much. Yeah, I I think really you've got a situation with Draymond in this regard to where he's just established that that's his character, right? He's going to be the bad boy for the Golden State Warriors, and it just so happens in a league that is famous for the, I don't know, teams like the Bad Boy Pistons and a player like Dennis Rodman who had those types of antics and went on and won championships and was an integral component to winning championships with those aforementioned Pistons teams and later with the Chicago Bulls. So the championship pedigree element to it, sure, it does factor in a little bit, but I think just beyond that, it's okay, that's sort of accepted to some degree in the NBA, and Baker Mayfield plays what position? He plays quarterback in the National Football League. And in the NFL, we like our cookie-cutter quarterbacks, right? We don't like outspoken quarterbacks. We don't like quarterbacks that have a little flair and have a little personality. We push back against that at the quarterback position. In the NBA, if you're somebody like Draymond Green, it's kind of accepted. Man, he gets away with so much. I fully, and I truly believe this, Josh. I think they get together after he gets his first technical, and they're like, yeah, we can't give him another one. I firmly believe that in my hard hearts. All right, we got a break. Um, when we come back, let me get you back to some Baker talk. I'm through with it. I'm done with it. I don't want to hear Draymond's voice today. Just done with it. And, and I'm all about it. Listen, if, if your worth is what people are willing to pay you, go do your thing. I don't get it. I don't understand how it doesn't anger your teammates, but that's fine. I'm, I don't have rings. You do. And you get paid a lot of money. But my biggest frustration is just the hall pass that he's given while others are crushed. It's a plank show right here on the ref. All right, I have a hand. F- is this crash test dummies? It is, yes. <laughs> so did they, were they more than a one-hit wonder? I don't know, but I oh, can okay. tell you that – I, I can report Sorry. this. Grouchy off. Mom on YouTube commented, this whole album was horribly underrated. It's a true masterpiece. Okay, then. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I Others, uh, let's voice. see if you agree with this. Others feel 
you can't really explain the 90s to anyone who didn't live in them. It was That's a true. glorious time That's to be point. alive. I agree. It's kind of hard to truly explain, right? So let me get this straight. Dudes grew their hair out long, parted it in the middle. You wore these odd sweaters. You'd tie a lot of things around your shoulders. You'd wear a hat tilted back. Old enough, you might have French rolled your jeans. And you liked, you didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> you didn't have really the internet. Were the, gr- was, were the we grunge kids cool? Grunge kids were kind of cool. Sometimes they might be the guys that we had a term for them, the gators. They'd go out to the gator and they'd, the gate and they'd smoke their cigarettes, Josh. If you hung out at the gate, which is just off a of school property, and you smoked, you were a gator. And a lot of times those <laughs> were the Nirvana gator. fans. Yeah, well, I believe that. <laughs> I'll never my sister. Are you a gator? I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, someone said they saw you smoking a cigarette at lunch. You better not be a gator. Like, okay, I'm sorry. Please don't, don't use now, that slur now, as, in our as, home. As a 47-year-old man, every time I walk by somebody who smokes, I'm like, gator. Um, okay, I got a bevy of topics here for you. I'll allow you to pick because we got to get to Justin McLeod uh, to talk a little softball coming up right at the bottom of this hour. So here, here's your three options, Josh. Number one, number one, don't pick number one because I have a lot more work to do with it, but it's the Big Ten TV deal and what it might look like, okay? Okay, number one. Gotcha. Number two, number two, the petty nature of Texas A&M. Number two, the petty nature of Texas A&M. And number three, the SEC and the NCAA working hand in hand whoa well two and three have both intrigued me quite a bit Good. very i like that i like that a lot <laughs> let's go behind door number three okay i like that you chose that and i'm still working on this as a matter of fact earlier today while preparing for this here very radio program i sent an email to someone i had not really heard of before ruling sports are you familiar with this? Rolling? Ruling. Ruling sports. R- no. Ruling. No. I, I wasn't either. So I gave a follow to Alicia Jessup, and I was kind of fascinated by what she had to say about this story from Nicole Arbach. First, let's give you the foundation of this piece. The SEC, not when we're talking about anything government, the Southeastern Conference, filed an amicus brief to support the NCAA in its ongoing attempt to prevent the recognition of college athletes as employees. The NCAA is a defendant, along with Villanova and other universities, in Johnson versus the NCAA. By the way, were you familiar with this trial or this uh, process? Because I was not. No. Okay. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a landmark ruling when it comes down. Dude, it's a case that was originally brought by current and former college athletes in which they say that they should be qualified as employees under the Fair Labor Standards Act. The conference, listen, we're in the weeds real quick, but I'll pull you out. The conference argued that participating in college sports does not qualify as work under the law, that schools are not employers, and that the athletes should not be paid. 
I've got the statement here from the SEC. I won't bore you with it, but here is what caught my eye about this. Alicia wrote and tweeted, and she's got an open invite to the show. This is the next major legal battle in college sports. Schools and conferences, especially in the Power Five, need to decide if they want to shell out hundreds of millions in legal fees or recognize employee status, which is likely less expensive. If the NCAA wants a legal strategy around regulating NIL that doesn't haul them into court on antitrust grounds, reorganizing the employee status of revenue-producing college sports athletes is it. Alicia continued, doing so allows for collective bargaining and use of non-statutory labor exemption. A lot of wordy words in there. A lot of things that maybe are a little bit above my pay grade. But, I mean, are we on the cusp of a players' union in college sports? And I don't know if this obviously would go beyond just football. But, I mean, isn't this going to hurt low-revenue sports, Josh? Or no? Good question. Good question. If athletes are paid like employees, how does that not hurt track and field? How does that not hurt? Because you're going to – what's the greatest expense in most businesses? The greatest expense in most businesses is personnel. And, again, I'm not saying – I'm not taking a side. I'm just saying when you start paying for personnel – Going to go through the roof. I. It's the defense that the NCAA has used. Will it work? Landmark potential case on our hands in a story that probably 70% of us, including me, wasn't even following. We'll learn more as the show rolls on, as we always do. But we're talking softball next with Justin McLeod right here on The Ref. Plank show rolls on, man. I'm really pumped for our next guest here at 1034 on The Ref Sports Radio Network. We are joined by Justin McLeod. From Extra Inning Softball, also the founder, creator of Justin's World, which was really one of the true crutches for me whenever I was first getting into the sport. He joins us right now on the Plank Show. What's going on, Justin? How are you, man? I'm good, man. Appreciate you having me. It's good to catch up. It's good to catch up. Overall, as we look back, I know the the ratings told a little bit of a roller coaster sco- uh, story, but how do you view the overall World Series? Was it a successful event? You feel good about where softball is coming out of it? I think it was successful. Um, you know, I was just telling somebody a couple of days ago, kind of in a little bit of a post-mortem for the World Series. You know, one thing when I look at the World Series, everybody going in was like, oh, well, you know, Oklahoma's going to win. The TV ratings are going to be terrible because there's not going to be any competitive games, yada, yada, yada. But I think at the end of the day, there were some good games. And I think, too, something that people didn't think of initially, Oklahoma was so good, there are always people who want to witness that, that kind of history. Um, and, and I think it, it turned into a very successful event. Um, you had good games. You know, you had a couple of blowouts, sure, but all in all, it was a pretty solid series. I was actually kind of impressed with where we ended up at the end of things. I was too. I was really happy. And, and listen, there were concerns, right, about what it might look like whenever Bama gets beat, Virginia Tech, who had been a 
constant contender is out. Arkansas, who many thought was the number two to Oklahoma, gets beat. Florida State gets knocked out. But, I mean, listen, I had fun in all the games. I yeah. thought there were some great games. There were some great moments. The Texas run is something we'll talk about quite a while. And as you said, sure, we had a dominant team. But that day on Monday when they lost, I think that drew a lot of people to that Monday evening afternoon game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I think it was one of those things where, you know, everybody thought, oh, well, Oklahoma's going to go in. And there's even though these are, you know, some some good teams in here, there's some other teams that are in. They're just going to run rule everybody, whatever. And then, I mean, you go and lose and you got to play right there at the end winner take all for the for just in the semis to get to the finals. And, you know, too, one thing that got me, you mentioned all those teams that lost out. I mean, I was one who thought Arkansas was the only team that could truly slug with OU. Um, there was a couple of teams I thought could, could take a game from, but Arkansas was the only one. Well, they're out. The Florida State, Bama, et cetera, are out. But some of those teams that were in, you know, they made a little run of it. And I think that surprised some people, too. And I think that added to it because it wasn't just, you know, a bunch of pushovers and, oh, by the way, Oklahoma. Like it turned into a really good series, all eight teams, I feel like. You know, that's that's a really good point. I was we were getting into the GOAT conversation, right? The greatest of all time. It's yeah. it's it's fun to have those whenever you're looking back post script on a season. But I noticed one knock that I saw, Justin, was well, keep in mind they did beat an unranked team in the in the championship series. And I kind of thought I hadn't really thought about that. But in any way does that that shouldn't diminish anything this team did, right? I don't think so. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, Texas is a solid team. So, even unranked, you're probably looking at what would have been number 17 if right. seeded teams went above 16. Um, and, and looking at who Texas beat, they beat a very good Arkansas team. And again, that's the team I thought had the best chance to, to challenge OU in the series. So I don't think it diminishes it at all. Um, not to mention you add to it the fact that that's your arch rival, that that's a team, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, everybody knows the history there. So I think that actually adds an extra element to it that wouldn't have been there for any other team, I guess, outside Oklahoma State. Um, so I think that adds something for Oklahoma because, you know, th there's the level of beating an arch rival. So I don't think it diminishes it at all, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Justin McLeod is in the house. All right, on that postscript, it's hard not to have that conversation. I'm very jaded. I don't usually like these conversations, but I dig learning about some teams from previous eras. I didn't know a ton about the early 90s and mid-90s Arizona Wildcats, reading up about some of those old UCLA teams. I think sometimes people get very defensive when you compare now to them, but I also think, Justin, for a sport that's still growing, I think it opens a lot of people's eyes to just how good the softball was in the 90s, where it makes this a challenge. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get back into Laura Espinosa and Jenny Dalton back in those Arizona teams. Like, there was some serious talent that, that these days, to your point, is virtually forgotten just because, you know, it was a minute ago. It was, in a lot of ways, a different game at that point. Um, but when you start talking about the greatest of all time, that's the first place you go back to. Um, we've had some really good teams, even great teams since then. I um, mean, you know, I think back to even, you know, OU when, you know, Lauren Chamberlain, Shelby Penley, you know, you think about Kalani Ricketts, you know, just those, those era Sooners. But when you think of, okay, who's the greatest of all time, you, first place you go is truly back to those Arizona teams. And, gosh, they were so good. Um, I'm with you. I, I love looking back and, and researching and remembering. All, and, and those teams were just so good. Um, and if you look, a lot of the record books 
some of the records that still hold from those days are held by players on those Arizona teams. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, Are you a fan of the portal? Now, and and again, I always give this disclaimer. The portal is in a roundabout way, not anything new in softball, right? There's been open Mm -hmm. transfers for a minute now in this sport, but it really seems as with the growing popularity, we're seeing it expand in this sport. Is it, is it a problem? Is it a good thing right now? I think in softball, it's a problem. In general, I actually don't mind the portal. I think it's a positive. Like you say, um, you know, you, you, you've, in softball, we've never had a huge issue with transfers. You usually open transfers have always been a thing. Um, there are some situations, though, where I like the portal in the sense of, you know, maybe there's a bad situation and, you know, this, this person, this player who wants a change of scenery, needs a change of scenery, doesn't have to rely on the coach that they need the change of scenery from to okay that. So I like it in that sense. But in softball, one thing that is clear that I don't see as much in other sports is you're starting to build super teams. Right. Not just one. There, there are a handful. But you're starting to see that in softball. And you're starting to see players who you would think, okay, you're over here on Team B, and you can help build Team B into a team that has a shot at going to the World Series. But you're seeing more and more, I feel like, that player chooses to leave Team B to go to Team A because Team A is very likely to be there because they've got a streak of being there. They've won a title before and that kind of thing. So that player chooses to go to Team A. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to go to the World Series. I get it. Um, But I think at the end of the day, as a whole, it hurts the game when you start seeing that in math. And that's where I think we're we're having issues in softball with the portal. Because the math has already been a problem, right? I yep. mean, it's it's a situation yep. where you have so much carry. I mean, outside of Minnesota, or Wisconsin, excuse me, where Barry Alvarez was like, thanks, we're moving on. But right. you already have a numbers issue, right? I, I think about this a lot. Uh, we're talking with Justin McLeod, a great softball mind. I think about this a lot. I'm, I'm looking at, just because I cover OU, I'm looking at the OU bench. And I see mm-hmm. Tree Coleman. I see Hannah Core. I see Quincy Lilio. I see freshmen who maybe if they were somewhere else would be playing this year yeah. right so it's it's and i saw the same thing it led to problems at alabama right it's got to be yeah. tough for these coaches to balance things the way they want justin it's it's a challenging time roster wise well and at the same time we have the portal doing what the portal's doing you also got to think this is this is when the reckoning is happening for a lot of teams from the early recruiting when, when softball was recruiting seventh and eighth graders a lot of those those players are now getting to the point where they're in college or just getting there or just about to get there. You've got that issue coming to a head. And, and, I mean, face it, kids are not the same in seventh grade as they are as college freshmen. So there's a little bit of a reckoning there. Then you add the portal. And then you add COVID senior years, yeah. the extra the extra eligibility at the same time, and your roster, you're still only a lot of the same number of scholarships. So I think that's part of it, too, is you're, you're, you're getting into – things are coming to a head because you get so many things all at once and the way the portal is. I mean, you know, you use the OU example. Look at Riley Boone. She sat there on the bench at OU and then look at her this year. Right. I mean, that's somebody who could have been, you know, could have been starring somewhere and she sat on the bench. And then when she got her chance at OU, you look at her and she's a part, she's a, you know, part of notable part of that world series champion team. Um, but, but I do think things are coming to a head. I really I, do. I think um, you're right. Transfer portal is the big one, but then I think when you combine that with early recruiting and COVID, COVID extra eligibility, I think that's that's a big three-headed monster that 
honestly is going to get worse before it gets better, I think. I agree. You know, and I, I didn't mean to step on you, man. I'm just curious because you, you bring yeah. up that challenge. What have you heard is going on at Alabama? Is, is there some issues? Does Patrick Murphy have some things to address? Or is this just how the portal is going to be when people get unhappy? I think both. Um, truth be told, I don't think Patrick Murphy himself has the issues. I think it's one of those things where, and I go back to this, because anytime somebody thinks about Alabama softball, the first place you go is not, oh, well, these great hitters, these great pitchers, although they've had both. The first place right. you go is the culture. Right. You think about the, the, the Mudita thing that, that Alabama softball is famous for, and you go back to things like that. And I think at a certain point when you thrive so much on culture and something happens that upsets that culture, it can be hard to rebound. Um, so that's, that's where I think Murphy's offseason work is going to have to be, is to you know, bring that culture back where they're used to it being. But then to your point, it also is a certain level of, of influence from the portal because the thing is, if you've got a split in your locker room, if you've got two, two warring factions even, so to speak, well then the portal's sitting right there and that's an easy way for, you know, for the um, Hatfields to be far away from the McCoys. I like that term. I think I've used that today too. Look at us. Um, Justin, two more and we'll let you get out of here. Speaking of the portal, yesterday Oklahoma continued to add to its pitching staff, and I, I guess what what I assume from what I've seen is pretty impressive fashion. What can we expect from Alyssa? Uh, excuse me, Alex Duraco, and how surprised were you to see her end up in Norman? Well, once I found out Alex Duraco was visiting Norman, I was very I was very unsurprised when she committed. If we're being honest, I mean, it, it, I feel like it's going to be really hard to go to Norman the day after a national championship, see everything there, talk to those people, to the players and, you know, the coaches and all that, and then leave and not commit. So I was unsurprised to see her commit. Um, I, I think, you know, people say the rich get richer like it's a bad thing. From Oklahoma's perspective, a pitcher like Starocco is the kind of pitcher you want. Like, I mean, you've got the young players, but Starocco's a veteran arm. She's really solid, honestly. She, she's poised in the circle. She's got – She's got good control of her emotions. Like, like she, she just goes out there and just balls. Um, she's used to being a one part of a one-two punch. So you put her together with Jordy Ball next year, or you know Nicole May, or, or whoever. Right. Um, but but she's used to that. Like so, she's used to working as part of a staff and and starring. You know, two members of the staff both star. So she's fitting into the perfect situation. Um, I mean, it's it's Oklahoma reloading, and honestly. I think they got better. I mean, that's not a shot against Hope Troutline, but I think Alex Duraco is actually better. And, I mean, if you think about it, as good as this Oklahoma team was this year, if that pitching staff is better next year, oh, Lord. <laughs> and then finally, what other names are you keeping an eye on? We get a lot of questions about Addison Barnard uh, seemingly daily. What do you kind of see as her future? Are there any other big names you're keeping an eye on or we should keep an eye on? So – I do have a list, honestly, um, and the bad thing is a lot of that list is mid-major players who are really, really good gotcha. that at some point, you know, I, I just unfortunately figure are going to get, you know, poached or see stars in their eyes and go, hey, I can go to a certain school and go to the World Series, like you say. I hate that that's a thing, honestly, because I think those those are kids that could be Hall of Famers at the mid-major schools by the end of their careers. Um, Barnard's an interesting one, though. Um because if you look at if you look at her statistics, she had such a great year for Wichita State this year, 
but she also feasted on some some of the some of the teams that like she just went off. Right. Like if you look at her split stats, so I think too there's the element more and more luckily where people are realizing you know the situation I'm in may not mean I get I get a World Series ring, but I can have a really great career doing what I do. And and right. so I think Bardar probably falls into that category. Um, there are a few others. I mean, anytime I look at stuff like that, I look at who's the third pitcher on, on some of the super regional teams, so to speak, and I look at who are the best mid-major stars. I, I don't just you know, start spouting names when I when I write, so you kind of have to gotcha. size up the question in that sense. No, I understand. Um, but, but, but I, because I don't necessarily like the reasons they would end up getting poached or, or go in just to stars in their eyes, but I definitely have a list, and, and I'll say this. We're in middle of June. I don't think we've even seen the heights of the portal this summer yet. Ooh. Now that, my friends, is what you call yourselves a tease to go check out <laughs> at Extra Innings SB on Twitter or go to ExtraInningsSoftball.com. Justin, I always enjoy your perspective, man. Thanks so much for giving us time here on the Plank Show today. I appreciate you, sir, always. See you, brother. Just McLeod. At Just Facts, man. Boy, that's a heck of a tease, right? I think we're just getting started. In that kind of, this is just the tip of the iceberg kind of a conversation, it seems like. It does. Sounds like he's fully anticipating some big names that maybe we're not thinking of to enter the transfer portal and find some different destinations for themselves. And his point on on Barnard is pretty good, too. You know, it wasn't just a year. It was a career year. So, huh. Interesting. Quick break. Back to wrap up hour two next. The top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino right around the corner right here on the home of Sooner fans. All right. Welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the ref. That was fun. Thank you for allowing me some softball talk, Josh. Off the Air Comfort Solutions text line to wrap up hour two, 405-651-3439. To me, those higher-ranked seeds that didn't make it to the Women's College World Series just proved how huge of a gap there was between OU and everyone else. Or, Or Josh Helmer, allow me to say it magnifies just how good Oklahoma was because... They played teams that were considered to be a little bit more well-respected and higher thought of than some of those teams that ended up getting beat. I mean, Florida State got beat by Mississippi State. I understand what the rankings and the numbers showed, but most people were much higher on Texas A&M than they were on Mississippi State. Much higher. Um, I'm trying to think of a good super regional example, I guess. I guess maybe you could say that people kind of thought a little bit more highly of UCF than a a team like, well, obviously Oregon State that made it, or Arizona that made it to the Women's College World Series. So, yeah, I, I, I have a hard time with that knock. The building climber was simply looking for one of Jocelyn Allo's missing home runs. Did we confirm that, Josh? That's from the Big Bad Wolf. You're going to have to keep climbing probably. Uh. Find one of uh, her home run balls that's been missing. Okay, I love stat questions. So, if w- whenever I get stat questions, I usually find myself nerding out just a little bit. But the question was, who ended up with the most home runs? 
the softball home run leader for the 2022 season. Well, it was Jocelyn. It was Jocelyn that ended up leading the country in home runs this year. In fact, the Sooners, as a team, led the country in both batting average and ERA. (laughs) But I think she – hold on, I'm pulling up right now. I think she broke it in the World Series. Yeah, she did. And just kind of skated past with her home run in the championship series. Chassie hit 34 home runs to lead the country this year. Addison Barnard, who now gets a second mention on the show, Josh, 33. And as a team, Oklahoma was far and away the leader in home runs this season. So, oops, sorry. So there's your stat nerdy question of the day. Thank you from the 405. And then one more quick one. Um, Oh, you shouldn't get knocked for beating an unranked team for the championship. It's not their fault. Arkansas, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Alabama didn't hold up their end of things. OU handled their business. If he was looking for an all-O home run ball, he needs to go to the storm drains in Houston. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty good. That is good. That's someone that pays attention. That's someone that knows. All right, hour two of the books. Then we'll kick off hour three of the top five stories today. A little bit more for the NBA. There's a lot of Baker Mayfield conversations to get into. Texas A&M being a little bit spoiled. And is there a, another potential breakthrough court case that could be on the cusp of changing college sports? Find out with us next hour. He's Josh Helmer. Follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. I'm Chris Plank. Hit me up at Plank Show. And this, this is the home of Sooner fans.